Hey, John, remember a few years ago, uh, we had that big event at Head Flyer Brewing, and people <laughs> were screaming, and hundreds of people showed up, and we gave away all kinds of stuff, and everybody's, you know, everybody's trying to figure out <clears throat> how are the Wolves going to match up with Kawhi Leonard in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I miss those days. Uh, it was so long ago, I can barely remember it, but I remember it was a good time. That was a good time. I, I think it's important maybe to just stop right now and try and bask in that a little bit and see if we can get some good vibes going through just sheer nostalgia because all of a sudden that feels like a very long time ago. And man, uh, it has taken a turn for the worse uh, in the last week or so. Uh, so on Monday night, the, the Timberwolves played the New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau and got drilled. I was over uh, across town covering the Gopher women and men's uh, openers, so I wasn't there. And then I got back late on Monday night, and I watched the Wolves game start to finish. And uh, I will say this, John. I've been, you know, when I do other radio and, and hits and talk to people and talk to fans and talk to my friends, I've been preaching patience. Today, Tuesday morning, was the first morning of the season. I woke up and I said, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's exactly where I'm at too, Jim. And yet I think listeners to this podcast and readers of both of our work will recognize that I've been one of those people who have said, look, it's going to take at least 20 games. They, they, they need some time to find a rhythm, to kind of get on the same page, to figure out playing with Rudy Gobert, um, all of these things. And I still believe that is true. I still believe that there is plenty of time to salvage and and kind of get things moving in the right direction. Um, but it wasn't just that they lost last night uh, to the Knicks. It was how they lost. Uh, completely lifeless, lacking any kind of heart or backbone or toughness. And there's been too many of those games, frankly, uh, so far this season, Jim. There's just been too many times where we have not seen any intensity, any edge, any sort of fight or will, and, which was really, you know, all the defining characteristics of last year's team and which made that team so likable was how hard they worked all the time. And um, to see this team come out so flat again, be down 27 to a Knicks team that is not very good, like that, that, that Knicks team is not anything special um, in this league right now and to just give up wide open threes to not get back on defense to not move the ball on offense um, it just speaks to a team that right now not it doesn't mean it's it's a it's a full season long thing it doesn't mean that it can't be fixed or corrected but right now I think more than anything schematically that they're trying to deal with more than anything um, from a roster construction standpoint, they're trying to deal with, they're trying to find some heart. And that is a troubling thing. It's, it'd be one thing if they were playing really hard and just kind of coming up short because they weren't executing, because they were a little hesitant uh, with the the crispness of their play because of all of the, the new stuff. But this is a team right now that is playing um, – soft as Anthony Edwards said those are Anthony Edwards words that they're playing soft and that teams are taking their heart from them and that's really inexcusable they have to find a way to show more 
toughness and more feeling and more give a damn than they have. And uh, and so that's what makes, I think, the game against the Knicks kind of an I called it an alarm bell game. Like it's easy to explain away other some of these other losses and to not put too much into it. Last night was a was an alarm bell game like, uh oh, they got a lot to address really, really quickly. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. This is The John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. Our producers, Brandon Morton. Our sponsors, TSR Injury Law. Saw Steve Terry was the game last night. Manscaped, AllEnergySolar.com, and Headflyer Brewing. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. The best way to listen to this show or any shows you'd like at the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Talk North Pod. See all the shows as they were released and plus information on our live shows. We appreciate everyone who's listened and helped us grow the grow the uh, network. It's been a blast. Uh, I'm hoping this Timberwolves season will still be a blast, but I am a little worried at the moment. So, you know, I you were there. I wasn't. Uh, what was the atmosphere like in the arena and what was the atmosphere like in the locker room afterward? Yeah, in the arena, uh, the fans were booing early on um, while the Wolves were digging their hole. And then in the second half, it really did seem like there was sort of this malaise that set in. Like the fans kind of were maybe looking at each other and saying, oh, no, like what is going on here? And it wasn't even angry or it wasn't mad. It was it was just like troubled by what they were seeing. And so then you get into the locker room after the game and the vibes were really not good. I mean, quite frankly, this is a team that understandably right now you wouldn't expect just great vibes. But we I just do recall last year when the Wolves did start four and nine and when they were really trying to battle through things and figure things out, uh, there was a kind of an overall sense of of kind of not calm, but just uh, of urgency that certainly Patrick Beverly contributed to, Jared Vanderbilt contributed to, um, you know, Torian Prince and and many of the the guys that were on this team contributed to. And last night in that locker room, it was just, um, it was just weirdness. They, you know, D'Angelo Russell was clearly kind of misdirecting some of his frustration at the media. Um, when you look at uh, you know, kind of the conversations that were sort of just happening between players, um, I just think that it's a team that's really searching for something that is looking around and just cannot figure out what right buttons to push to get them activated in the right way. And and so, I mean, you just you could sense that it's a team that doesn't really know the answers, that doesn't have the answers and that is getting more and more frustrated by not being able to find those answers. And so how they go about it and who is the player or players that does the Patrick Beverly from last year and does kind of shake them out of their stupor, that's going to be the question. We don't really know yet who that is. Is it Torian Prince? Is it Kyle Anderson? Is it Anthony Edwards? Is it... Um, you know, is it Austin Rivers? Is it Nas Reed? Like, who is the one or two guys that are really going to come to the floor forefront and take control and take charge of this thing right now? Because it seems like there's a little bit of a leadership vacuum, um, that is really contributing to a lot of the issues that the Timberwolves are facing right now. 
I certainly would not make the case that all of this comes back on D'Angelo Russell, but I will say that it's disappointing to me that a veteran, uh, talented, highly paid point guard doesn't take charge or take charge in the right way. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm just, I kind of felt like Russell was at least not a negative if he wasn't always as much of a positive as he should have been. Now I'm starting to think that he's a negative. Yeah, I mean, he has been a negative this season for sure. And I was one who looked at the way that D'Angelo Russell was kind of just uh, was acting, quite frankly, in the in the summertime and in the offseason. It looked like he was entirely bought in. Mm -hmm. uh, he was saying all of the right things. He was putting in a lot of work on his body. He was organizing team kind of outings during training camp. And he was really see he really seemed to be focused and bought into what was going on this season. And so you looked at it and you said, okay, maybe you know, in a contract season, new father, um, new perspective, all of these things, maybe D'Angelo Russell is ready to make a leap of his own in terms of his leadership and his maturity and and things of that nature. And he's just been so erratic uh, this season. He has not shot the ball well at all. Last night he did hit four of 10 threes, but he had four, you know, he's four for 12 from the field. He has just these terrible turnovers every single game um, that are live ball turnovers that end up in dunks or open threes the other way. He's not playing good defense right now at all. Um, and he is not, kind of getting this offense going at, at a pace that they need to play at to get easier shots and to get the ball moving. He is not quarterbacking this offense at all right now. And he has said that he's still thinking kind of through things a lot while he's kind of toggling between playing with Rudy Gobert and playing with Carl Anthony Towns and, and trying to find his way in his rhythm. And it's a difficult task for him but he is getting paid a lot of money to do that and it's been really really poor so far um you you but then you know you don't you don't want to just concentrate on D'Lo um Anthony Edwards last night was didn't even show up in the first half mm -hmm. like he was not there and look everyone likes to uh rip on Cat for all of the things that he does or doesn't do for all of the things that he says he has become sort of the the whipping boy um, from, you know, Timberwolves fans. Last night, he was the only one who played even remotely decently. 25 points, 9 of 12 shooting, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, he had three bad turnovers. Uh, his defense was not great. But it wasn't an effort issue for Carl Anthony Towns last night. It was an effort issue for Anthony Edwards. 0 for 2 in the first quarter, 1 for 5 in the first half. Uh, he went one for seven from three for the game. He did have nine rebounds, but three turnovers, poor shot selection. And there have been too many times this season, Jim, where Ant has said, you know, oh, I, well, I don't play well on the second night of back backs. Oh, well, um, I've, I've been a little out of shape. I'm trying to get myself into shape. Um, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. Like, these are things that you want to see a third-year player start to even out the peaks and the valleys and 
Um, if he is not bringing energy early on, that first unit does not have energy in general. And so I think that he is culpable in this. Um, Jaden McDaniels falls out every other game. He's struggling right now. Um, Kyle Anderson wasn't good last night. You know, there, there's nobody that was that that could come out of that game saying really like totally I did my job. But I think it does start in the backcourt with Edwards and Russell. They do not seem to be on the same page. They are not playing well together, and that is contributing overall to a difficulty with the offense getting going and making plays and getting buckets and all of those things. And it, and you can see it in the body language. I mean, it's not a good optically right now on the court for any of those guys. And, and so, you know, the blame can be spread around, but I do think you look at the backcourt with D'Angelo with Anthony Edwards right now and say, it's just gotta be light years better than what it has been. I want to get more in on the Edwards angle here. We do want to thank our sponsors who make the show possible, starting with TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. By now, you know the drill, but it's just really good to remember that number, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured and you need a lawyer, you need a good one. And in this case, you would be dealing with a company that will not charge you unless they win your case, and they win a lot of cases. That's why they've grown exponentially. It's why they have beautiful offices. It's why they're such a success story. It's why you see their ad advertising everywhere because they have something great to advertise. 612-TSR-TIME. 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Jim, uh, Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. It's barrel-aged season right now. They have an Imperial Stout to check out. Um, they have all sorts of just wonderful beer, wonderful um, uh, tap room. And great place to watch a Wolves game, if, even if you want to tear your hair out while you're doing it. Why not watch it with a great beer that can kind of soothe some of the, the rough nerves around your, uh, around your body while you're watching this team just disappoint right now? The beer will never disappoint you. The swag, the, the shirts, the, the hats, everything that they have at Head Flyer Brewing. Uh, will always come through and never let you down, unlike what the Wolves are doing right now. So go and check out Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. It's on Hennepin Avenue, not far from 35W. And uh, tell them the John Krasinski Show sent you. The Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30 percent. It was going to drop to 22 percent. This is a great development. This means that residents and businesses are in, at the perfect moment to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with a battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and electric vehicle are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar power to power your EV at home or provide that as a service to your business employees and customers. Now's a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. You might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid is limited capacity. Grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. And now, yes, yet again, John Krasinski's world famous Manscaped ad. I it's tried to set it up too- as dramatically as I could, and I, but I, no level of drama really set you know does it justice. 
the pregnant pause there threw even yeah. threw me off. So uh, I'll try and uh, regather myself as as we do this. But it is never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants, you can make this season. A season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top of the line shower products to have people thinking, All I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for free shipping and 20% off. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling Performance Package Plus Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, and Ultra Premium Deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer feature proprietary skin scythe technology to protect your delicate presence. Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue clearing the snow out of your driveway. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC. I'll never look at Santa the same way again. All right, so Edwards complains about the team being soft after I think he played a really soft first half, as you said, he has not been uh, consistent. He hasn't been productive. He's taken entire halves off. Uh, what I don't get is I do believe the reports and the, the videos and everything we saw in the offseason and your reporting on how hard he worked in the offseason. Why do you work that hard in the offseason and then not work hard during games? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, Jim. I, I don't know if it is a sense of that, hey – this is all just going to come to me. Um, I, you know, it could be that it could be a frustration with the, the, the ball movement and his shot opportunities that are coming for him. It also, I think could be partly that he was and is getting used to playing with Rudy Gobert and the changing landscape of the floor in front of him. Um, now Rudy has not been here the the last two games. And so you can't blame Rudy, um, in that respect, but I do think earlier on in the season, you did see Edwards kind of searching and, and and trying to figure out where he could make his impact now that things were a little bit different with Rudy Gobert on the floor. And so there's been part confusion, I think. I think there's been part frustration, and I think there is a part um, immaturity on, on Edwards' part because even when some things are going wrong that maybe are not of his fault um, that you can't point the blame at him for, it's incumbent upon the best players to play through that adversity, to figure things out, to try and find ways to be effective, even in circumstances that are not ideal. And Anthony Edwards is having a hard time doing that right now. He's not getting out in transition. Um, he is not playing with the same level of force that he that that Wolves fans are in accustomed to seeing uh, from him, and I think all of that 
is sort of contributing to this overall sense of angst within that starting five. Um, there, you know, there were times, there have been a lot of times over the previous two seasons where the Wolves gained a lot of swagger from Anthony Edwards, just dynamic play and his explosiveness. And that has not been there this season. To his credit, he is shooting the ball better from three aside from last night than he had in his career, and it's only him and Torian Prince on the entire Wolves roster that are doing that. He, uh, in, in think three of the first five games, he scored at least 30 points. Um, so he, there have been pockets of the season and pockets of games where he is playing well and is doing his job, but um, really over the last couple of weeks here, that has tailed off a little bit, and he just has to be more locked in and more intense and more engaged. And, you know, we've seen the clips of him kind of standing to the side and putting his hands on his hips and watching plays develop and things like that. And he's just got to be an active participant all of the time. And it is not only Anthony Edwards' fault. There's plenty of blame to be going around. But so far, the, the, the anticipation of... A, a monster Anthony Edwards season in year three is not yet materialized and they've got to find a way to sort of get him actively engaged on a much more consistent basis. I can't believe I'm asking this at this juncture of the season, but do they in fact miss Pat Bev? Well, I mean, they, they do in a way, but I, they don't in another because, I mean, I, I wrote at The Athletic about sort of the lack of heart uh, this morning. And, of course, I'm getting deluged by Pat Bev tweets um, mm-hmm. from fans who loved him, from from everyone who understood sort of what he brought to the team last year. But I think there are two things to remember here. One is, yes, in the very basic levels they do miss Patrick Beverly um he was the one who sort of pulled them out of their tailspin last year at the start of the season he was the one who grabbed the team meeting together who really put everyone in their place crystallized things and got them to sort of get going in the right direction and right now there does not seem to be a voice in that locker room that has the same sort of strength and heft um, that Patrick Beverly's voice carried early last year. I'll be honest, Jim, I think by the end of the season, Pat Bev may have worn some people out um, Mm -hmm. with the way that he went about his business. But um, one thing that you always knew is that his means of communication was going to be heard. I think that various teammates are kind of sort of tuning each other out right now. Um, no one's listening to Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell or um, even to Anthony Edwards at some in, in, in some instances. Um, you know, Torian Prince is trying his darndest to uh, to lead and to kind of keep things together and, and hold people accountable in the film room. But that's clearly not sinking in right now. Austin Rivers kind of did it for the first time last night. And that was only because he had not played any extended minutes until last night. And so we'll see if he helps to bring things back a little bit. But uh, Patrick Beverly was a starting level player last year who was not afraid to mix it up and to tell people things that they didn't want to hear and to sort of really try to get into guys and focus them in a way. 
Um, and they do miss that. Um, but you know, if you say, well, they, they shouldn't have traded him, they shouldn't have put him in the deal or anything like that. He's playing awful in, in the, with the Lakers. He's been just terrible. So, um, if, would he have been as effective as a leader if he had reached his decline, like it looked like it's looking like early with the Lakers, maybe it's just a bad start, but he's shooting 22% from three, 30% from the field. The Lakers are terrible. He's averaging 4.6 points a game. Um, and so that Patrick Beverly magic that the Lakers desperately need as well, that ain't working out there. And so I think that the plan all along was that Patrick Beverly was incredible for this team last year in sort of teaching them how to walk and how to talk and how to carry themselves. And it has, it is up to the players who are now directly in their prime towns, Edwards, Russell, to take those lessons that they learned and and move forward in a mature way. And we just have not seen that from them at all. So um, there is some sort of leadership void right now in that locker room. And how that gets filled is going to be one of the big determining factors on how low they sink or how high they can eventually rise. And um, And so, yeah. In one respect, Beverly is missed. In another respect, it's probably good that he's not here just from a pure playing perspective. Um, but there's there's some sort of leadership vacuum that needs to be filled um, in in probably multiple ways to get this team kind of back on track. Well, let's get to the leadership of the leadership. Once again, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, we have the Cheryl Reeves show. We have the Go Gopher podcast, which will be highlighting the uh, Gopher women's team, which looks so good on Monday night. Uh, we have every sport covered, a bunch of hockey shows, two football shows, including the Viking Update show. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. Tell your friends. Spread the word on social media. Try out Tribal Social. If you're tired of Elon Musk, uh, I'm over, I've am over. i shifted over there. I'm on Twitter and on Tribal Social, and uh, if they start trying to charge us a million dollars to use Twitter. That'll be a good place for us all to meet up. Check that out as well. And thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors. So what do you think Connelly and Finch are really thinking at the moment? How worried do you think they are? And where? what does Finch do at this point? Yeah, I, I think that they are both certainly concerned about what they see and from an effort perspective. And that that is a real thing that needs to be confronted. Um, that said, I do believe that they look at the overall talent of this roster and believe that eventually they are going to find some sort of equilibrium that is going to help um, get this team to realize its potential. And I think that's the right play. Like, I don't think that either of them are panicking in terms of saying this isn't going to work. There's no way that this is going to happen. Um, I think that they are looking at a team right now that they know is kind of just like just uh, running head head into a headwind, that they're just um, not getting out of each other's way. And once they can smooth some of that out, that they will be fine and that things will fall into place. I think that's the right approach to take. But we have heard Chris Finch say a couple of times now that if there is not in the, if, if this team's DNA does not have sort of that, 
demonstrative leader that grab you by the collar, kind of shake you out of your malaise type of a leader that Pat Beverly was, uh, then it's on the coaches to figure out a way to fill that void. And I think Chris Finch in general is a coach who wants to give the players as long of a leash as possible. He does not want to be heavy-handed in terms of play calling, in terms of structure, in terms of a lot of the things that he does, both from a X's and O standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. He like he prefers the players to be the ones who are empowered and are running the show. But when they are not doing a good job of running that show, it might be time for him to step in and be a little bit more than the coach who just, like he says, sets up right, left and right bumpers and lets the, the players kind of operate in the in between those things. I think that this is a team right now that might be, might need a little bit heavier hand just to get them through this early part of the process. And um, so if that has to be something that that Finch changes from, you know, being more uh, of a guy who calls more plays, who tries to get them in to to run more action and 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 maybe to take more coaching, direct on coaching, that might be one thing that he tries. I don't know if he's going to or not, but that's it might be worth doing because the leadership is not coming from inside the locker room right now, at least not enough to sort of unite everyone. And so in that case, the coach might have to step in and be a bigger voice, um, more uh, of a of a kind of discipline-centric guy and and get these guys just kind of recalibrated. And so I'm you know, he I asked Chris last night if he looks at changing anything. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because they are playing the, the, the Knicks and Tibbs. And I, I thought back to how many times things were going wrong in the Tibbs regime. And he would say, you ask yourself two questions when things are going wrong. Um, are you are you doing it hard enough and are you executing properly? And if the answer to either one of those questions is no, you don't change anything because that's not going to change when you change the scheme or the approach. And. Um, and, and so I asked Chris if, if he thinks about doing things differently or if they just have to execute what they're doing better. And, and, and Finch said that he, um, is looking hard at, um, at, at what he's doing and changing things up when it isn't going wrong. So he's definitely going to try to be proactive here and not just kind of continue to still believe in the same things that they've been preaching over and over. They're going to try to make changes, whether that's lineup changes rotation changes, scheme changes. I do think you are going to see a little bit more experimentation going forward here in the next few games to try and find a little something different rather than kind of just banging their head against the wall and and waiting for the results to change. One more note, and this one's completely unimportant, but uh, I kept noticing that Tibbs would almost knock officials over as they were trying to run down court last night. Tibbs was standing at midcourt during play. What the hell's going on? Why do they let them let him do that? It, I, I think that it's it's very much like um, an approach to the way that a defensive back, a really physical defensive back, plays defense um, in the NFL, and it is. I am going to mug you and hold you and grab you and clutch you and chuck you like and a all those song. things. 
Exactly, right? And and it's and it's um and it's like basically saying you're not going to throw a flag every play. Yeah, I I just don't think it's going to happen. And so Tibbs is going to yell at you. He's going to keep going further and further out toward midcourt. He's going to kind of just bellyache and he's going to rant and rave and the the feeling is is that if you go so far over the top, he's not going to get teed up all the time because referees are going to look at him and ah, that's just Tibbs. That's the way that he does it. Whereas <laughs> if another more mild mannered coach um, just does it once or twice in a game, that's when he gets the the team's attention uh, or the referee's attention, and then can get this t- get himself or his team in trouble. But Tibbs has kind of constantly just grabbed more and more real estate. Um, every single year, and pretty soon he's going to be out completely on the other side of the court uh, in the other coach's box uh, following the team down when they're on the other end of the court. That's just how he does it. All right, well, it's going to be interesting. We knew it was going to be an interesting season. I'm not sure we thought it was going to be interesting in this way at this juncture, but, uh, man, we're going to have to get into some really deep issues like what the heck do you do with D'Angelo Russell if he doesn't play better, Uh, but we have lots of time to get to that. Uh, it'll be a very interesting week. Three really tough games coming up. They could easily find themselves at five and nine. Uh, but we'll keep bringing into the news, the insights, John's uh, John's reporting here at the John Krasinski Show. Thanks so much for listening to TalkNorth.com, and we will talk to you next week.